Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. get involved in that way of what we're about. Well, today we're going to start a brand new series I'm really excited about, and we're going to get to it, uh, kind of series called Below the Surface in Our Lives. And I want to start with this question is, and you can, you know, you can raise your hand if you want, you don't have to do this, but how, how many of you ran away from home at one time? Okay. Now you can put your hand down. Now some of you are like, that's, uh, that's kind of funny. Some of you are like, uh, that's not funny because there are serious things happening. But I want to say on the younger side, if you're younger, there, there might have been a time I didn't do it as a kid. And my kids, I don't remember my kids. The, kid, the kids ran away from home, hon. I don't remember them. They always came back. Um, but that's the thing, right? Because when they're little, you know, and I don't know, you did this kid or your kids did this. is like, you know, like, you know, the, you, you did some, like, you came in and you were just totalitarian dictator. You remember that? Those moments you knew, you need to clean your room. There's a pigsty. You need to do the dishes. You need to do this. And, and they came to the point, they're like, I can't handle this, this, this pressure. I can't handle this dictatorship any longer. And they go, no. I don't want to. No, you're going to do that. You live under this house. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Then I'm moving out. I'm running away. And the smart parent you were, you didn't stop them. Go ahead. You wanted, if you don't like it here and you don't want to be here, you can, you can leave. We want you to stay. But if you have to go, you got to go. That's the way it has to be. And so I think you hear, you know, kids, you, you probably pack really loud. You know, you're shoving clothes. And for some of us, it was comic books and, and the barren essentials, you know, things that you needed. And, you know, whatever it was, baseball cards for guys. And whatever you need, you're like, no, I'm out of here. I got to take my possessions. I'm out of here. And you just, you, you slam the door and you, you headed down the driveway and down the block. And you just... Like, oh, what's, where do I go now? (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I didn't really plan this right. It's close to dinner time. I didn't really plan this out too well. And you, your kids, or you came back sheepishly, and then it's dinner time set at the table, and your parents go, welcome home. It's good to have you back. We missed you. (laughs) What, What was happening is you were so about running away that you didn't know where you're running to. But you know you got to get out of there. And I think in our lives sometimes it's the same way. Now that we're older, um, we might not have ran away physically because you're like, well, I own the house. So that doesn't work too well, right? You don't run away. But you... But you, we run in different things. Like, I, I think for us, some of us, it might be a job that just sucks the life out of us. We got to get out of there. A conflict in, in our marriage. A, a difficult conversation that we need to do, have, but we, we're, we dread to have. Maybe it's a hidden addiction that is... That, that, that you don't want to deal with. Our, our human natural reaction in many of life's problems is simply to run away. And, and ultimately what we do is we, we run from what is good many times and we ultimately run from, from God. Several years ago, I mentioned being a youth pastor. It was a time where we had lots of students coming and they were coming from a variety of backgrounds. No, no different than the students that we work with out here in, in Blaine and Birch Bay. 
And some of the students have just don't go to church, never been to church. And we had a, a, a lady, her name was Darlene, and she was kind of the grandma of her neighborhood. Her grandson lived with them at the time, and so his friends, and so she would pick them all up in the, in, the, in the neighborhood, and she would take them to church. But she'd basically come in, and she goes, here you go. You know, like, all right, and our team, you know, work with these guys. And, and they were a little bit difficult. There was a day, and, and this might, I don't know if it's in fashion any longer, but there, one guy, a few of the guys came, came in, and they were dressing goth. I don't know if you know what that looks like, but it's not real cheery, okay? Just the look, okay? And if that's your style, great. I'm not against the style, but it's all black, you know, black makeup, you know, chains, you know, just, just, just there. It was there. And, you know, and, and we were people just like we are here. Hey, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. You just come on in. You're accepted with us. And that we, we try to continue to, to give to our students. But they had, that was, it was below the, it was, it was way below the surface of what was going on in their life. It wasn't the outward part of it. It was what was going on. And there was one particular student that we were working with. It was a little difficult because his name was Marcus. And, and Marcus would come in and they, during worship or even during times, he, he, he just, you know, I think there was like devil signs and things going on. It's like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I don't think that's good. But, and then one time he had a, a doll. Like he had a doll, like his 16-year-old kid playing with a doll. But, and then he was like doing stuff to it. And then come to find out it was a voodoo doll. And I'm like, okay, that's, and, and like, what is, that, what is a voodoo doll? Well, who's the voodoo doll of? It was me. So here I'm preaching away, and there's, you know, he's putting pins in it, right? You know, and, and I, I knew that was happening, going on, and he, like, put it away, and messing with it, and all that. And I seriously wanted, at some point, I was going along, go, oh, oh, you know, oh, you know. I, I wanted to do that to him. I'm like, I'm thinking, he's like, I, you know, he's like, I got you, you know, type of thing. That didn't happen. Um, and so we had our, our, our adults together kind of like this, and students together. And we had a special speaker one evening. We were all gathered together, and we had, and the, and the and the person got up, spoke, and then he had, a, had an op- invitation for people to come forward if they're dealing with certain issues. And one of the issues he really called out was you were dealing with an anger issue. There was something deep within you that you're just mad about and you're angst about. And, there, and so Grandma there, Darlene, she grabbed Marcus by the arm and brought him up to me and says, here you go. And, and, and I said, well, what can I, can you need prayer? And he, goes, he needs prayer. Okay, Marcus, what do you need prayer on? He goes, I have an anger problem, you know. And, and he's like, really want it? Like, well, you really want to be up here, you know? And so we begin to pray for him. And, and I, I just describe what happened. I just tell you what happened. He, he started kind of responding in, you know, almost a convulsion kind of way as we are praying for him. And we continue to pray. And there was like, this, they call it kind of like a manifestation of something was coming out of him. Like it was something was below that surface of his heart, you know, in life and his soul, right? And so he, so much he reacted that he, he went on the floor and he passed out. And we were like, okay. And people were praying a little bit. And then within, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20 seconds, he kind of woke up and looked up. And he goes, and then everybody's looking down on him. And he got up. And he was so embarrassed, he ran out the church doors. And then Darlene comes over and she goes, well, you going to go get him? <laughs> so myself and one of our youth leaders at the time, Billy, we, we get in a pickup, my pickup, and we drive as the church was on a long road. And, and here's Marcus just running as fast as you can down. And he's running home or somewhere. And so literally I'm driving along and he's running and I roll down the window like, where are you going? You know, and he goes, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And I'm just, you know, and he, I said, here's the thing. I know you want to run and everything, but 
I got to bring you back because Darlene will kill me if I don't bring you back. And so he gets in the back of my truck and just, you know, here he is driving on the way back. And, you know, and I, I, I share that in the sense is maybe you're not running from God physically because you're still here, but you're, you're running somewhere in your, in your heart, in your life, and even in the things that you're doing throughout your, 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 the life that you're living. See, we have a tendency to run when we don't want to do it. Here's the question. Are you running? running from reality? Are you running from reality? Is there, is there, there, instead of running to God, you're running away, but when you're running away, you end up in a place you don't know where you're at. You don't understand. You have no plan. And so what happens is that you, then you have to cope. And so how you cope is deal with it yourself. And it's called self-help. And there's wonderful books out there. There's wonderful seminars. There's wonderful opportunities to, to grow as a person and develop. That's all good. It's good to develop who you are. But when you get to the end of yourself, it's hard to develop yourself. And you need the one that's going to really, truly help you. And so when you don't turn to that once, and so in self-help, what you do is you self-medicate. And so then you cope with what you're dealing with and what you're, you're interested in. And it, it just takes you down a darker, darker road that you're going, how did I get here? I don't know where I'm at. And so if you relate with running, maybe running in the past, you have that part of your story. Or let's just say for you today, this could be for you, is that you're running right now. You're running in your heart. You're running from something, a conflict, an issue, whatever it is. But deep down, you're running from reality. What we're going to talk about today and the next few weeks, I think it's going to be helpful for you. And that is, we're going to look at the story of Jonah. Now, when you hear Jonah, it's kind of a fascinating story. We all go to the, the big fish. It's kind of a crazy story. You swallow by, by a big fish. And, and we're going to get to that next week and talk about that. But the main reason I want to spend some time in Jonah in these few weeks is this. It's, it's the fact that I'm fascinated with Jonah because what was going on was below the surface. What was going on was some, and some reasons why we run. Why we don't want to deal with what we, we should be dealing with. And so it's, it's way below us and beneath us. So I want to start off with this. It's Jonah chapter 1. And it's, it's this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Abinai, to, to a great city of Nineveh, preaching against it because its wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord... And headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. To flee from the Lord. Now, if you don't know who Jonah is, I'm sure you at least heard about the, the fish or the whale. Is it, was it a fish or a whale? Hey, next, come back next week. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle that a little bit. But Jonah was a, a prophet. He was a prophet. And, and Jonah, what that meant was, is that he, as prophets do, they're to go and share a message from God to people that don't want to hear it, but need to hear it. And believe me, when we read this here going, this is the one that's be tough. See, J- Jonah was to go and, and tell a group of people, basically this, they suck. <laughs> they're going to, they're, they're going to, God wants to nuke them. And, and, and if they don't turn back to him. Now, I know about you with that kind of message, I, you know, I say, don't shoot the messenger. That's a tough message. That's a tough message to give. It's, it, in fact, it's confrontation sometimes. If you're giving that kind of message like, hey, if you, your life, you're going down the wrong road, the wrong way, the wrong place. I, I tell you, you tell that to your best friend and they're, the friendship can kind of get fractured a little bit, right? You're, there's tension there, but you love them. Hey, I love you. I'm going to help you. Know, I'll encourage you this way. And, and, but imagine not your, your best friend. Imagine your enemy. 
the ultimate enemy. This is what was happening. See, Jonah is, going, is freaking out. And the obvious reason that we run, it's, it's really this. We run because of fear. Let's just call it out for what it is. We run because, from God because of fear. It's a scary place that God was calling Jonah to go into a town and cry out against their wickedness so they would turn back to God. It wasn't anybody. It was this empire. In, in the context of the story and specifically in the historical period, you can think like a thousand years before, there's, there's King David, and then he had a son named Solomon, and Solomon had a son named Rehoboam, and then Rehoboam really messed things up because there was a, a civil war, basically. Two kingdoms are divided. There's a northern kingdom, which is Israel, stays Israel, and, the, and Judah becomes a southern kingdom. Now, as you maybe heard this phrase, as the king goes, goes, goes the kingdom. The southern kingdom, they, they, they had good kings, bad kings, kings that worshiped the Lord, kings that didn't, and, and all that was going was a mix. And it, but the northern kingdom... All bad. All bad. They did not worship God, the Lord God. And so what happened was different nations would come in. And yes, there might be some times of repentance, but it didn't stick. And, and, and the, the biggest enemy at that time was, during Jonah's time, was Assyria. Huge. You study in history, Assyria was a massive, massive, massive kingdom. And the capital of the kingdom was, that this empire was Nineveh. And God's telling Jonah to go and, and, and say, hey, you guys are bad. You need to shape up, okay? And you need to know, I mean, the, the history would tell us, I mean, these guys, they made ISIS look like, you know, campfire girls, okay? These guys were brutal, okay? And they impaled prisoners. They skinned them alive. It's gross, I know, and terrible. They're flat-out evil, power-hungry, and ruthless. And God was there to judge this city. And Jonah's like, Go for it. Go for it. And it's like, no, don't, Jonah, you're the guy. And he's like, uh, no, I, I, I know sometimes I'm not comfortable in my own skin, but I like my skin, okay? I don't want to go there. Like, that's, that's, that's not going to be a good experience I'm going to have. And, and I, I think it's a reminder to us in our own life and that fear is a real thing, and we should call it for what it is. But fear is, many times is what keeps us back to what God has called us to do. It's our number one issue of all the issues we could say, at least on the, you talk on surface issues, like, no, I don't, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I, and see, I think many times, like with Jonah, is that we tend to want a God that, that, that's safe and sensible, not to take any risks. And yet, I don't know about you, but I read through the Bible, and like, it's all about risk. And that's the fight for us in our American you know, world and comfortability and all that we live in. We somewhat fight for more comfortability than risk, don't we? And yet it's so opposite. And so what that does, it freaks us out when God's called us to do something that we don't really want to do. Now, none of us, I don't know, are facing an evil empire. Unless you're playing a video game or something. You're, you, you, you are facing, though, people that does feel like you're getting skinned alive. People that kind of out to get you. And they don't mean to do it. They're out after everybody, actually. But sometimes you feel targeted. Might be a boss. Might be a relative. Might be your ex. But it, it also could be more than just people. It could feel like the, 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 the great fear is the debt that you're in. Or health issues that you have. Whatever it is. Fear the future. And as... 
And so we, I encourage you that, that God doesn't want us to be paralyzed by that fear, but challenges us to be obedient to what he's called us to do. So fear is a real thing. Let's call it for what it is. But I think if we went a little bit below the surface a little bit more, I would say that is this, that is, we've been given this wonderful gift of free will. Another reason for running is this, that we run from God because we think we know best. We think we know best, and we'll go a little bit deeper in weeks to come on the issue, but you need to know one of the major issues that, that Jonah was dealing with is that Jonah was fleeing, fleeing because he had prejudice. If there's evil people out to take you out, and you're to go and say, hey, guess what? If you turn to the Lord, he's going to change your life and forgive you. As much as we think that's a great, noble thing to do, that was not what Jonah was wanting to do. Jonah would rather see Nineveh, like as I said earlier, nuked than any experience of forgiving. He, in some ways, had animosity toward God that they would show any kind of grace. And in some ways, we can't blame Jonah, right? Deep down, we might have felt of, of those out there that you see what they've done. You see the damage they've done. You see what it's done to people out in this world. And how can those evil people do that? But there's been evilness around us and, and, and near us. And people that we love the most have been hurt. And the last thing we think is to, uh, that God would offer them forgiveness and grace. And yet God so desired for Jonah not to condemn them, but confront them that they might repent and be forgiven. God wanted to redeem even the brutal people to experience this amazing, endless, wonderful grace of God that we all, those who've turned to Christ, have experienced. Jonah trusted, though, in his own reasoning instead of God's and didn't understand the heart of lost people. Instead, Jonah tried to run from all he knew because he, he wanted to be on his own. He wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to do his own thing. And when we want to do our own thing, we run from what we want. What others say, no, you, I don't think that's good. No, we want to run. We want to do things. And so we, we run from people. And I think what we do when we run for people is the people that love us and care for us the most, when we want to do our own thing, what we do is we, we, we put aside any kind of wisdom or truth that they would offer us. Not that they have it perfect, but we, we run from people that would give us help and give us advice and, and that we can listen to that we trust. And so what we do is we flee if someone's calling us and reaching out to us because they see the drift that's happening and so we don't call them back. We, they send us texts, maybe 20 texts, and we, as many say, ghost them. We don't, we don't respond to them. They completely shut ourselves away. We just don't want to hear. We also run from places. We unplug. When people drift a bit and they want to run, it's, they feel the pressure so much, and they feel, in some ways, the conviction of the Lord, kind of like a Marcus. He had to get out of, the, the, to get out of it and feeling the, God's presence at that moment. We want to run, and so we, we, we first leave the community of people that we have. We start dissing ourselves from people that love us and care for us. might be a small group that we're part of. And then pretty soon, we're not going to the group, but we're coming to church, but we're coming in, we're coming in like when the song, you're, 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 none of you done this, but come in when the song started already. You know, and the music lights are down. You come in and then kind of leave and slip out um, when the song's kind of ending the rap. And then the, today, some people do that. Some of you are like, oh no, that's, I, now I can't. If I leave today, somebody's going to notice I said that. But some of you had to go and got things you got to do. But some of you are like, I just don't want to talk to any people. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here, but what happens is pretty soon, it's, then, it's too, then it's, too, it's too convicting or it's too uncomfortable to be here, and so we run. It's just quiet in here. I don't know why it happened there. 
But we want a God that makes sense. We want a God to follow that will affirm us and not challenge us. Don't we do that? Don't we want a God? Don't we want to just like, I just want to kind of be a, a kind of a touchy-feely moment like with God and experience it. But then the truth that sometimes it faces, we don't want to do that. And yet God transforms us through the hard things he's called us to do. The calling to love our enemies, the call to pray for those who are persecuted, call to those to confront what we need to confront and, and deal with the truth, to step into that rather than step away. But what, what's really we're doing is not stepping away from people or places. We're stepping away from the one, the very one who wants relationship with us. It's interesting with Jonah, it says that twice that he wanted to get away from the Lord in those three verses, from the presence of God to flee the Lord. See, Jonah wasn't just rejecting God's plan. He was rejecting God of the, of the plan. Jonah's not just running away from his calling, but God himself. That's what runners do. They run. See, the other thing we say is this. We run from God due to, to avoidance, but deep down, it's actually defiance. Nineveh, this place that, that, that God is calling you to do, is 550 miles away, which is quite the distance to, to walk or to go, whatever path that is on land. But, but Tarshish is 3,500 miles away in the opposite direction. See, the, on the surface, this just looks like avoidance. But it's really, that, that's a first response. But what it really is the tip of the iceberg, what's below the surface is this. It's flat out defiance. God says east, Jonah goes west. God says land, Jonah goes by sea. God says up, Jonah goes down. It almost sounds like, like a three-year-old. You ever remember had a three-year-old? And you say, it's nap time. No, I don't want a nap. And if some of you have three-year-olds or grandchildren, three-year-olds, you're just like, oh God, please, please, a nap. We all need naps. We all nap, 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 right? It doesn't happen. There's a defiance that's there. It's not that we don't know what to do. We just don't want to do it. And we get a bit older. We, we of course, we, we grow out of that, right? No. <laughs> God speaks to us and says, hey, don't date that person. And we're like, I'm going to date that person. <laughs> God says, God says um, you know, through people sometimes, don't go there and get involved in activity. Oh, I'm going to get, you bet I'm going to get involved in that activity. There's a defiance that's there. And, and if it's not running on the outside, rebellion on the outside, we, we have the angst inside of us. You probably heard the old story of this, of a, of a grade school teacher who tells the, the, the boy who's disobedient in class, hey, go, go sit in the corner. The kid goes over and sits in the corner, and he sits down, and he says, good. And, and, and the, the, the kid goes, I want you to know that I am sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside, right? <laughs> there's a defiance that's there that's in us, and there's something that we don't want to deal with. Deep down, we dig our heels, and we don't want to deal with it. And Jonah goes and chooses the opposite. The opposite, as far as he known from the known world, the far away as he can get. He wanted to go to a place where he didn't want to know anybody, deal with anybody, and he finds out that's not possible. And it's reminding us that there's stuff below the surface that we want to deal with. Let me ask you this question. Where, what, or who is your Tarshish? Where, what, or who is your Tarshish? Listen, I love entertainment. It's good to relax, that type of thing. But I'll tell you, one, two, three, four, five, and six of whatever Netflix you're binging on, you're not going to come out of that going, oh, I feel so good about myself. 
<laughs> on how you're like, oh man, on healthy relationships that we can lead, it takes us down the wrong road. It might be morals that are compromised, but it might be integrity that's compromised, but it's, it gives you a bad attitude, whoever you're with. Not that you shouldn't love everybody, but you need to spend all the time with that person. There's an example of running to your Tarshish. It might be in your own mind to escape that causes you to lower your morals and erode your consciousness in your own heart, in your own mind. It might be spending money. It's so easy. Well, I, just, I just want to get away. I just want, well, let's just get away. Well, how do you get away? Slide the card, right? You come back, you get the bill, and you got 18% interest, right? We got away. No, it didn't get away. You're still paying for it, okay? Whatever it was, I feel like I'm just getting under the edge, under the, sorry for you guys, but no, I'm not sorry. It's good. Um, we don't apologize for that. Um, so whatever it is, whatever, we all have a Tarshish that we run to. Listen, whatever it might be, and it might not be a sin issue, but it is sin because there's the sin of commission. The thing, sins, it's the sins that we do and we shouldn't done, but there's also the sin of omission. The things that God's called us to do that we don't do. It's just as bad. It's disobedience, it's defiance. And what, when we do this, we, we run the risk of casting off restraints and we go down a road of recklessness. I grew up in Whatcom County, grew up in Bellingham, and, and I think it's still, they haven't done this for a while, but if you drive down Holly Street, the top of Holly Street down to the water, and if you drive, especially at night and there's no traffic, you can, if you drive 25 miles an hour, you're going to hit every light that's going to turn green. And you think it's so magical when that happens. It's a really great feeling. <laughs> Now, I want you to picture the opposite. When you are seeing those red lights driving down that road and you see the red light and you blow through that, and guess what? If you blow through the one red light, it's so easier to do the next light and the next light and the next light. That's recklessness. And I'll tell you, that's what we do in our lives. Many times we see that first red light and it's caution. It's like, don't do it, don't do it. And when you do the next one and you do the next one and you just cast off all restraint. And when you do that, you hurt yourself so deeply. But what it does is this, it hurts the people that see this obvious pattern and you are oblivious to it because when you're running you're too preoccupied with your running you don't realize the casualties on the long way and I would say some of you and myself included people that have run red lights and have have just fleed and ran have brought damage to our lives they ran out and there's a broken family. They, they ran out in, in such a way as they've got a, brought a, abuse and neglect and whatever it might be. Runners don't connect the dots. But ultimately what happens in our Tarshish, we need to know this. Whatever your Tarshish is and whatever you want it to be, you'll never get there. Jonah never got to Tarshish. Never got there. Because ultimately know this, we run from God, what happens to the strangest places and people that lead to the most difficult predicaments. When Jonah chose his own way, he quickly find himself in chaos. Look, look, at the, look at this, how it unravels for him. It said, the Lord, the Lord sent a great wind in the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatens to break up. And all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the, car, they threw the cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into deep sleep. So the storm's going on. He's like, forget it. I'm going to bed. 
The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, call out to your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. I think it's a very funny story and terrifying at the same time and ironic. Jonah here is trying to run as far away from God as possible, try to sleep away his problems and his worries, and, and the storm, the Lord provides a storm to catch up with him. And here a bunch of ungodly you know, fishermen or seamen who, who are pagans are the ones that are the most spiritual. And, and here God is speaking to, to, to Jonah very loudly. Jonah, bro, nice try. You can't avoid me. You can't avoid me. God was using the storms and the difficulties to get his attention. And he'll do the same thing for us. Sickness, setbacks, challenges, difficult people. Our storms in our life. C.S. Lewis is the one who said, pain is God's megaphone. And people always misunderstand. God's megaphone is not he's yelling at us as anger. He's screaming at us to get our attention. And yet, even in the storms, we want to avoid. Jonah, in the storm, what did he do? Forget it all. And went in a fatalistic attitude. And just said, forget it. He just saw the storms as God's way of wiping them out. It's too little. It's too late. He no way that God would, all that he's done and turn his back on God himself, that he would ever forgive him and, and rescue him and redeem him. We make the same choice. And what we do is we ignore problems and we keep running even in the storms. And what we do is we find ways to distract them. We numb ourselves, whatever method we choose, whether it's trying to get as much sleep as possible to sleep our way. If we can't do that, we turn to substance, we turn to gambling, we turn to porn or something else that's the bad stuff, which those are all bad, but also the, we turn to not so bad stuff, food, shopping, hobbies, hobbies, whatever it is, it's still leading us down that dark road. It's leading down to a place of dependence and addiction. All escape plans, not wanting to deal with what's going on in the surface. We've got to be real. We've got to unplug. We've got to sober up. And we've got to stop running and running from reality and knowing this, that God wants to meet us in the hull of our ship, in our, in, our, in our escape plan, right then and there to meet us in our storms. God loves us so much to interrupt our plans, to let him know, let us know that he's in charge. So finally know this, you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. You can't outrun God. Listen, Jonah finally woke up and he faced reality. Listen how crazy this storm happened. It says, and then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast Lots to find out who's responsible for the calamity. They cast lots and, it, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where did you come from? Where's your country? From what people are you? Who are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. They said, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he'd already told them so. That's funny there. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea, do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Well, Jonah, here he's running from being a prophet. Now he's got to be a prophet. 
Now he's, got a, he's forced to give an answer. He had this death wish. He believed it was a failure. It was too little, too late. And so he just says this, pick me up, throw me in the sea, he replied, and, and, and it'll become calm. I know it's my fault. This, is, this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did, not, did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. They cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die from this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. And then he took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. As the, as the men greatly feared the Lord, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. It's subtle, you might miss it. Did you see how it went from little God to the Lord? Lord, Lord, Lord. What was happening? It's, it's this, it's a reminder to us all that God wants to work in you and that God wants to work through you, but God will work in spite of you. And God will work even when you're running. He, even in your running, he wants to redeem, he wants to rescue the people that are lost all around you. And Jonah didn't even see it. He didn't recognize it. And that's what was going on. They were crying to the Lord, L-O-R-D, the Yahweh. They were crying out to the, his God, the God of the universe, the God of the land and the sea and everyone. And listen, that low moment in that place of disobedience, these pagan sailors found faith. His, here he had, they had more faith in, in the Lord than Jonah did in the first place because his plans were wrecked, his disobedience lay bare, and his failure was everywhere. And he thinks it's over, and yet he discovers it's far from it. I love verse 17. It's this. This is our last verse. It's this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. There it is. Really? That's it? Yeah. God doesn't let Jonah sink to end the story, but saves him from death. And as we look at next week, in a very gross way, he does this. Let me close with this, though. Encourage you, and we're getting ready in a moment here for communion to close our service. Is this God meets us in our place of mistakes, disobedience, and shame? He wants us in, in the low place that we're at, well below the surface, to deal with the issues of our soul. God has a plan, just like Jonah, to save us. And his plan has already been finished. His plan is Jesus. Jesus wasn't in the belly of a fish for three days. Jesus was in the belly of a tomb for three days, rose from the dead so that you and I are not going to drown. But his grace and his mercy and his love that he came and met us in our point of need, the saving grace. In a moment, you're going to receive, if you like, a piece of bread that represents Christ's body. This cup represents his blood. If you're, if you're new with us here today and you're not sure where you are in your faith, don't feel pressure. Let it pass you by. We're not going to think you're weird. But some of us have been there before. We're not sure. But if you're a follower of Christ, this is our opportunity, isn't it? This is our opportunity, tangible, right? How God rescued us from our drowning of our own sin and our disobedience and our even defiance that we've run from God. And yet God did the opposite. He ran all the way to, to this earth to us to meet our need where we're at. And so if, if you're here and you're like, I don't know where I'm at in faith, I encourage you, take the moment, say, this is my time, Lord, to accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to do it. What a great moment to do that together. But as we do, I want you, as you hold and reflect, this is the question I have. Really basic. Are you running from God this morning? Are you running from God this morning? 
not this, you're here, so that's a good, good start, but you're something within you. There's an issue. You are called to take courage and do something you don't want to do and it's uncomfortable, and yet you're resisting it. That might be you. There's a confrontation you need to have. There's an issue that you need to deal with another person. You don't want to do it. You want to run. You want to run from whatever issues you have, an addiction, a struggle, whatever the hang-up. You're just like, I'm just kind of coping, getting through. Don't cope any longer. Give it to the Lord. Run to him. Don't run away from him today because he ran to you. And, and so think about, take some time to pray. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Have this be a holy moment as we do that together. And then we'll partake together. I'm sure she can come. If you, you're finishing their serving as you receive it. I want you to, I want you just to, uh, as you're reflecting on your own life and, and, and running, whatever you're running to, there comes a point where we face that we can't run any longer. And, and there's moments like this. I, I wanted to give you, you know, the conclusion of Marcus. Uh, a few years later, I got a letter and it's from him. And uh, it was, he, he was going through drug rehab. And so he was doing 12 steps. And so he was going through, if you've done 12 steps, you go through and take inventory of your life. And, and then he was, he was wanting to make amends. And so I was one of the people, you know, the church to make amends with. And, you know, his, his, his uh, opening thing was, sorry, I was such a blankety blank. <laughs> and I won't read what that was, but, uh, but it was so honest. And, 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 and in it, though, he, he put something like to the fact was that I know that uh, God is in my life and working in my life. And I thought, wow, that's a huge place from worshiping the devil and voodoo uh, to that, that there's progress being made. He stopped running. He stopped running. And I encourage you today, just stop running. It's exhausting. I know it's hard. It's difficult. It needs courage and, 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 and to, to know that in our running, we don't know where we're going, what we're doing, that, that let's, instead of run away from God, let's run to God. Maybe as a kid, you remember that you, you ran, you know, got to the end of the driveway or the end of the block. You came back home and sat down at the dinner table and mom, dad, he's like, welcome home. Let's have a meal together. Let's have a meal together. And that's what Jesus did. He goes, you don't have to run any longer. He goes, in fact, everything I provided for you, everything I've accomplished is, is accomplished. Is gonna be what I'm going to do is die for you to provide the way of grace and mercy for your life that you don't have, you don't have to run any longer run to me, run to what I have in relationship with you. And he shared this with his disciples. He said, all that's happened is culmination of what's going to take place. I encourage you to remember this moment where he lifted up a piece of bread. He said, this is my body, broken, beaten, put to death for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. Later on in the, in the, in the supper, he, he took the cup and it was representing a new covenant, a new agreement with mankind that no longer sacrificing you, no longer you have to do something, accomplish anything. No, Jesus says, my body, my blood is gonna be enough to forgive all of mankind's sin. You don't have to run any longer. You don't have to try to do anything and run in, 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 any, kind of, in, in any kind of frenzy of, of, of trying to appease God. You can't. God didn't come to bring judgment. He came to bring mercy and grace. And he did it through the, the cross of Jesus, through his shed blood for us, for forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together in remembrance of that.
Lord, I, as, as we pray, God, we're, we're tasting acceptance. We're tasting symbolically what love and grace is that no longer, Lord, that we have to run to try to get help or run to try to get solutions in our own life or, or just run away from our issues. Lord, you dealt with the issue head on and the issue was our sin where every issue comes out of, Lord. And you accomplish that on the cross. And we've taken this moment to remember that moment. But we also take this moment to remember, Lord, what you've done in our lives as well and how you've forgiven us and transformed us. And if there's anybody here today, Lord, they're in a, in, on the run. They're on the run in a relationship. They're on, on the run in a circumstances. They're on the run not wanting to deal with the circumstances. May you pull them to you, Lord. May your, your kindness, Scripture says, lead them to repentance. You're not here to judge them and to condemn them, to save them and to provide for them. Just like you provided Jonah in that, that, that moment of saving his, his life, Lord. Christ, you provided that moment on the cross to save our soul, Lord. May they know that as well. And may we know that as well as we go from this place, as we run in our world and the, the rat race that we live in, God, may we continue to run to you, run to you, run to you, run to you in the midst of whatever we have going. We may be empowered by your love and, in, and passionate by your spirit as we leave this place. And for this week, we pray in Jesus' name.